following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all joining us here today on this Wednesday evening, or if you're te- or if you're checking us out later on on one of your favorite podcast networks as well, too. Always a pleasure to hang out with you guys, talk a little sports, talk a little ball, and a little bit of everything in between. And for you to enjoy some of our random t- random tangents and rants and everything in between. It is DJ joined, as always, by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, we've had ourselves a very busy weekend, a wild one, for lack of a better term. Or as they like to say on the announcement team, a super wild one, nonstop. <laughs> and you know what? We're, we're going to have a little bit of fun today with it as well, too. We're still we're still kind of in that New Year's resolution thing, like how people pack the gym for that first month and they disappear for the rest of the year. We're still kind of in that phase with the sports world as well, too. And we're going to have a little bit of fun today. Maybe maybe have some awards and some other things going on this show. Hey, it'll be fun. I can't wait. Uh, I know it's a, the, the super wild card idea is just at this point in time, it's just advertising, right? Like just let's throw super in front of everything. Let's make it better. It's the same weekend it was before, except for there's only one team that gets a bye week and we still get six games. I mean, it doesn't really change a whole lot. Uh, it's, 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 it is fun. Um, but at this point in time, we've yet to see a seven seed really advance yet. So, well, until it's, until a seven seed advances, I'm going to hold off on calling it super for now, but it's going to be a, it, it was a fun wild. I mean, I can't, can't say it wasn't a fun wild card weekend. It was just a, a wild card weekend. It was, I'm not going to call it super yet until there's actually super excitement uh, around a, a two seven matchup. If you if you're going to call it super wild card weekend, I'd like to have just a regular wild card weekend as well too. So why can't it be super divisional around? That's usually where the best games take place. Like I, I, I feel I feel a little bit lied to. So we're just going to call it wild card weekend here for now as well too. But you know it, it's going to be a super show. So we appreciate you all joining us for that one as well too. And you know what? we're going to use that to not so subtly transition right. Into our first segment, our our first segment, of course, is the tip-off. And the tip-off, if you didn't check it out last week, brought to you by our new friends over at SeatGeek as well, too. Use code BELLYUPSPORTS. Get yourself 20% off your first time order order there as well, too. And you know what? We like to go to a lot of sporting events. You don't want to overspend. You want to get a decent seat well we don't we don't expect to sit courtside now we don't have we don't have that lebron james money on the side but you you want to get a good seat for a fair price definitely seat geek is one of the places to go if that venue does use seat geek as well too so definitely use code belly up sports there go get go check them out and we got we alluded to it we're gonna break out some awards to start this one as well too but not regular season awards not anything like that not mid-season awards we're gonna go to the ones that possibly won you a little bit of money this year. We're gonna go with fantasy football awards as well, too. So everybody and their mom is in a fantasy football league. It feels like whether they like it or they love it. At some point, they end up in a fantasy football league, sometimes multiple, sometimes more than they can count. So what we're gonna do today is we're gonna go over some different awards that we had for players throughout the year. We got MVP, we got ourselves a sleeper or a darling pick, everyone's favorite, the disappointment, and one if you're in a dynasty league, a lock that you want to keep on lockdown for a while. So Kelsey, I'll go ahead and open it up to you. Where do you want to start, and what what do you what do you feel? Do you want to start from the bottom up, or and rip the, or do you want to rip the bandaid off and go top to bottom? You know what? Let's 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 go bottom up. Bottom up always seems to be the best way to go. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. wants to hear what's it, does, nobody wants to be le- left on the bad news, right? So let's start exactly. with the bad news very first. Let's go fantasy football disappointments. I'm gonna let you go first on this one because uh, I picked the topic. You get to, you get to go first. You know what? There is a lot. And I mean a lot of different ways you could go with this as well, too. Because, honestly, it feels like my fantasy team every year is a disappointment in some way, shape, or form. So I could just put my team. But I think we're going to narrow it in a little bit. And I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit for this one. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. 
He was arguably tight end number two in every single league, and he finished with, what was it, two touchdowns on the year? For how long did it take for the Falcons to even throw the ball, let alone throw it to Kyle Pitts? Nonetheless, they were down 28 to nothing against the Bengals and running halfback dive. They did not utilize an absolutely versatile weapon, one of the most freakish athletes in the game. They just refused to utilize him. They didn't throw him the ball in the red zone. I saw one fade route thrown to him, if I can even remember that. Like it was a complete misuse of talent as well. So I'm going to take the low hanging fruit and go with Kyle Pitts just because you look at his average draft position. You look at tight end where that's where you're trying to steal something because the tight end, the group of tight ends to pick from is a couple, one guy at the top, you're trying to get, and you're trying to score that number two guy that can give you like 85% of that. That was supposed to be Kyle Pitts, and he gave you 85% of nothing really. Not his fault by any means. I blame, I blame Arthur Smith and the team for that and Marcus Mariota and everything in between. But unfortunately, that your fantasy team doesn't care. So give me Kyle Pitts for the low hanging fantasy proof, low hanging fruit for fantasy football disappointment. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I like that. Um, yeah, that was, it's a good pick as always. Honestly, you, you're right there. There's a lot of ways you can go this. Uh, I'm going to go with the number one position though, that everybody needs a consistent starter. Somebody to get you consistent points. I'm gonna go quarterback and I'm going to go in everybody's preseason fantasy darling as he got traded. If you will, that's Russell Wilson, the mm-hmm. ultimate disappointment that I called from day one. I'm going to keep standing by this. If this guy was not made out to go to Denver and succeed, and I'm just going to keep talking about it. Every chance I get now, I'm going to keep talking about it and keep talking about how I was right and everybody else was wrong. And your biggest disappointment this season had to have been Russell Wilson because I don't think there's another quarterback that was projected to be a top 10 guy in a lot of people's books. And I say a lot of people as in the guys that most fantasy football people will follow, your Matthew Berries and such. And they all projected him to be a top 10 guy, if not a top five guy in a lot of cases, because you look at those weapons and you should be a top five receiver in that offense, a uh, top five quarterback in that offense, but you weren't. So mm-hmm. for me, Russell Wilson is an obvious, very, very big winner of the biggest disappointment. And I, I won't be surprised next year. We'll, we'll see a turnaround in Russell. But this year, he I will say that he was the god awfulest prediction for a guy that got drafted in the first round if you put quarterback in the first round. What's funny, too, is there's a lot of leagues I actually saw. There's a 20-person league I heard of this year as well, too. So you really only get a chance at one starting quarterback, and then after that you're pulling waiver wires. If you took Russell Wilson as your one quarterback in that league, I'm sorry. Unless you got, unless you had a whole lot of other MVP caliber players, that was a very rough season for you as well. So you definitely can't go wrong with the Russell Wilson one being, honestly, not just a fancy disappointment, but kind of a disappointment overall for everyone else. But like you mentioned, we expect maybe not a mile high turnaround next year, but maybe like a maybe a quarter mile turnaround as well, too. Just maybe more touchdowns and bathrooms by the midway season point as well. So that'll do it for our disappointment of the year. But now we're gonna move on. We're gonna go, we're gonna look to the future with this one. We're gonna take a look at the dynasty lock of looking forward based off of this year as well, too. And when it comes to dynasty, for those of you who don't know, that's basically where you keep your team year in and year out and you get draft picks to bring in the rookies and you kind of go through that way as well, too. So Think of it like you actually own the team, for lack of a better words, as well. You don't have to redraft. So, Dynasty Lock, the easy pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the easy picks. We both know what the easy pick is here. I'm going to go and have a little fun with this one. I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson. What he did for the Jets this year, leading all rookie receivers with Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, Mike White. And there might have been another guy in there playing quarterback. I just can't quite remember. In a very putrid passing offense where Elijah Moore was asking to be traded and Corey Davis was in and out of the lineup. Garrett Wilson showed up and showed out. Weirdly enough, none of the rookie receivers this year had quarterbacks. A weird change from the last couple of years when we saw 
Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, guys like that actually have a quarterback to produce with. This year, not so much. All the rookie receivers went to teams without a quarterback or teams that refused to play a quarterback. So give me Garrett Wilson as a dynasty lock, ignoring the blatantly obvious one right at the top. But I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson for my fantasy lock rookie this year. Okay. All right. I respect that. Um, yeah, for dynasty. me, I'm not going to – yeah, yeah, your dynasty lock of the week. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm i kind of saving this guy for the surprises of the year for for our, our, our sleeper or darling pick for the year um, just because he was unexpected in a lot of ways. Um, maybe. Maybe, maybe expected, but um, I think I'm going to go the same trend as you. Go with a young rookie receiver that's kind of proven he is a he is a lock going forward with no quarterback, if you will. Um, and that's Chris Olave. I'm going to go Chris Olave. Obviously, the injury at the end of the season didn't really help matters, but the rest of the performance through let's say week three through the end of the season when he when he finally you know got injured, I think there wasn't a better receiver, young receiver at that point in time than what you saw with Chris Olave. I think he, obviously he's one of those guys that you, unfortunately, you do need a quarterback for him. But at the same time, he was out here making plays with Jameis Winston's broken back, with Taysom Hill, with Andy Dalton, and, and Red Noodle on Rocket. Like, I don't, I don't know what else you can, what, you, what else you, you need to do to perform for me. Um, and obviously, you're right. There are there are probably some better. There's some more obvious picks out there right now. Uh, but I, I wanted to go something that a little bit different. Something that like, if you're looking at your team, you need to solidify a couple positions. And and wide receiver one B. Is kind of what I'm going to classify him as right now, Chris Olave, because he's not really as good, you know, he's not going to be a CD lamb right now or anybody like that, but he is a guy that give you consistent production, give you that 10 plus points a week, as long as he's on the field. And that's, that's, that's what you really need. I mean, you saw him snag some of these balls that are just like, that doesn't make any sense. And then still end up with, you know, 80 yards, sniffing a touchdown, at least seven to eight targets a game. And then it's like, all right, well, I can't ask for more. Like it really, you can't ask for more for a guy that that projected. Obviously, we had him a little higher ranked as far as just actual performance on the field goes, but fantasy wise, you can't really predict a, a fantasy receiver who's a rookie with no quarterback like they they had in New Orleans. And that now you go fast forward to next year and you look at you know they're obviously going to be trying to solidify that quarterback position, and ideally, you know he's going to finally get himself a solid quarterback. I don't see any reason why you can't see Chris Olave here as a potential uh, potential guy for uh, your dynasty going forward. And 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 I, for me, I, he would be my dynasty lock of the year. Absolutely as well, too. And not to mention, he was supposed to be the number two receiver with Mike Thomas on the other side, helping take some, take some of the heat off him, let him acclimate. You got that for four quarters, if even that. And then it was Chris Olave, receiver one on the team. So a couple of Ohio State Buckeye rookies leading the way for our fantasy dynasty locks as well, too. Maybe CJ Stroud's on this list next year. We'll wait and see for that one as well. So that's a that's a long ways away before we look forward to that. But next up, we're going to look at the sleeper, the darling, the Cinderella, the guy who might have maybe gave you a little late season jolt as well, too, to help you win your fantasy league and maybe even like a waiver wire pickup. We're going to put all of that into one. Basically, the guy you did not expect you just kind of have on your team for. In some cases, you name your team after him just for fun. Looking at you, DJ Shark. And but so for this one. I'm going to go with Jarrett McKinnon, the running back that the Chiefs brought in late. He, I don't think he started a game this year. If he did, it was a couple late, and he had nine receiving touchdowns, which is absolutely crazy from the running back position. He was a weird touchdown slash reception machine. I don't. It doesn't make sense because you look at his stat line at the end of the game, you're like, meh, but then you see the fantasy points thing ticker go at the bottom, and he's 26 points. It's like, how did this happen? Where did you come from? If you got him late in the season, maybe picked him up early off a of waiver wire, toss him in your flex for a little bit, there's a good chance you went on a nice run to end your season. So 
Give me Chiefs surprise running back, Jared McKinnon, right? We're picking a Chiefs running back in this. Who would have thought? But I'm going to take I'm gonna take Jared McKinnon as my sleeper, darling, waiver wire, whatever you want to call a surprise pick that might have helped you sneak into the playoffs at the back end of the year. You know what? I, I really do like that. Um, you know, okay, I, I'm changing. I think I'm changing my mind here. I, I, I was gonna go. I was gonna go with Damian Pierce here, but I, I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I, I keep thinking about before the season how much people were just touting Damian Pierce. So I don't know if I can really call him a surprise at that point in time, because we all knew if whoever the number one running back is going to be there is going to be getting all of all of the carries uh, and all of the offense, if you will. So in that surprise case, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I guess slide away from that. And I, I'm going to go with the more mainstream surprise here. It wasn't a surprise to us. We've talked about him constantly, uh, but that's Amon Ross St. Brown. I think Amon Ross St. Brown to a lot of people is, is a, it was a fantasy sleeper. And I'm going to go ahead and double up and say Jared Goff as well. And that, and just, I'm just going to take those two as a tag team here because you can't have one without the other. Uh, if you if you look at a lot of Jared Goff's performances, sixty percent of his performance went uh, his his uh, a talent or point went to a Monra St. Brown. So you take take away take away a Monra St. Brown, you lose sixty percent of Jared Goff's production this season, which was absolutely insane for what you expected to get from Jared Goff. Um, you, I mean, you snag most people snag Jared Goff as a second pick as their quarterback, unless they're in that twenty team league, and then you maybe he maybe he made a team, uh, you know, at that point in time. So. Yeah, no, I'm going to go with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, but I'm going to throw an honorable mention in there to uh, to Jared Goff. But again, that one's not so much of a sleeper for me, but it is for the general public and as far as fantasy football, quote-unquote gurus who don't really pay attention to who actually is talented in the league and they just look at the, the numbers on the board. Um, so don't let the numbers on the board fool you before another season, guys. This is that's all I got to say going into next season is, is, is look at the actual guys who have performed on the teams that are looking to turn around. That's who 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 is going to be your next year's sleeper as well. You never know. The Lions might roar into the playoffs next year like they did this year as well, too. And it will be on the backs of a Monroe St. Brown and underrated fantasy quarterback, Jared Goff, who especially, once again, down the back half of that season, as good as any quarterback in the league, too. When you look at his final numbers, well, it makes sense why Ben Johnson was a hot commodity before he decided to stay put, which, by the way, he's staying put. Monroe St. Brown, Jared Goff coming back, Jamison Williams another coming in healthy for a change. Look out for anybody on that team as well. Team, might have to, you might be able to just pick your shoes and be be one of those guys. No matter who you grab, you get ten plus points a week. So, I do like dipping in, into the lines as well. Too hard knocks finally didn't curse somebody. So next we're gonna next we're gonna go to the MVPs. These, of course, it speaks for themselves. They're your main guys. They're the ones who won your league, got you a nice little fantasy champion ring as well too that you can rub over everybody's face, a trophy, or if you're or in some everyone's favorite case, a nice stack of cash as well too. So. Fantasy football MVP, and I'm going to cheat. I'm going to give us two because, frankly, there's one really obvious answer, and I'm going to go with the second backup one. So the obvious answer for me is Austin Eckler. He's the leading touchdown scorer for the second year in a row, 90-plus receptions at running back, almost 1,000 yards rushing, 13 rushing touchdowns, north of 20 total touchdowns. Austin Eckler speaks for itself. Second year in a row, he's been top two scoring. I think he might and he was the leading touchdown scorer last year. He's tied with Jonathan Taylor. Just doubled up on it this year and added the receptions. I'm going to also shove in Jalen Hurts on the back end of that too because what he did for those first 14 or so games before he got hurt was absolutely electric, very reminiscent of prime Cam Newton with his dual threat ability. Had north of 30 touchdowns, very few turnovers, which is a big thing too because that means you're not losing points. He's only threw a handful of picks, a couple of fumbles. I don't remember the exact number. It might have been five. 
but you're not losing points on him in front compared to like a Josh Allen where you'll get three touchdowns from him, but they don't give you two picks and you'll lose a few of those points. And you're just smacking yourself upside the head when you lose by two points. So I'm going to go with Jalen hurts as my back end sleeper pick with Austin Eckler's obviously the main one as well too. So Kelsey MVP, I'm curious. Do we have a similar train of thought here? Or are you going to pull one out of the well? I might be pulling one out of the well, but I don't know. I don't know. Again, this is, this shouldn't surprise anybody where I'm going with this really. Uh, I look at you look at one of the toughest positions to get constant production out of, and that's going to be running back. Um, and you look at that number one running back. This could have doubled as a sleeper for a lot of people, or a surprise for a lot of people. But I'm looking at that number one running back, and I'm looking at Las Vegas. Struggle with your quarterback, you struggle with your offense, struggle with everything. But the only you know the one person that didn't struggle, Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, the two thousand rushing or two thousand total yards this season, sixteen hundred fifty three rushing yards, twelve total touchdowns. Carry, broke off two long touchdowns, two 40-plus yard touchdowns this season, including an 86-yarder. Uh, you know what? I'm, I, don't, I, I don't need to say much more. The jo- Josh Jacobs train is was rolling on a year where he needs to go into, go into the offseason performing if he's going to get a contract. Um, so I looked at Josh Jacobs and what he did from top to bottom as that dude. Obviously, you, you, you had your Derrick Henry. You had your Nick Chubbs. You had your Jonathan Taylors in the world. Those were the big three. Those were the expected big three. You had Najee Harris, who was supposed to perform, didn't didn't really perform up to snuff. Josh Jacobs was kind of that fifth, sixth, seventh-ranked guy in a lot of books. Some had him as high as three. Some had him as low as 10. Uh, and here he is, number one, all around in the category. Should not be questioned whether he's he's talented or not. And in his career, you look at it across, across the board, in his career, has stayed a top-10 fantasy football running back the entire time. So look for him going into next season. I don't know where he's going to land. I don't know if he stays in, in Las Vegas or what. But look for him next year as a fantasy football player to continue to, to watch out for. But this year, he's my MVP because you just, for such a terrible team, he is the guy that was giving you the absolute production you needed. And, yeah, there were some games that were super disappointing because he ended like with two yards per carry, and it was like 80 yards on 20 touches. You're like, oh, this sucks. But then, you know, he had a 140-yard week the next week. So it's like, all right, well, I can live with this. So it's not too bad. Um, but, yeah, give me Josh Jacobs here. Uh, and honorable mention out to uh, Justin Jefferson. Jay Jettas, um, probably your offensive player of the year um, in the NFL. So got to shout – I'd I feel stupid if I don't shout out the offensive player of the year for uh, for fantasy football awards. Absolutely. As well, too, I do want to point out with Josh Jacobs, the best part about it was he got hot late. Like, he, you mentioned he had a few sh- – a few games but he also had some 50 point outbursts when you need him going down the stretch to maybe get that top c going into the playoffs or to get you into the playoffs nonetheless as well too so he he did the opposite of cam Akers, who waited till you're basically your fantasy championship to finally produce he got you into the playoffs with his down the stretch performance and the volume he got to oh my goodness at that one at the point that josh mcdaniel said we're done with Derek carr we're gonna feature josh jacobs 30 times a game we saw him really take off there so Definitely somebody to keep an eye out moving forward as well, too. And, and the one last one I'm going to throw in here before we go ahead, and go ahead and recap everything, you could make a very, very, very outlandish case for Travis Kelsey as an MV, as the fantasy MVP, too. Just because the at tight end, basically you're, you're, just, you're just trying to scrape by. Because tight ends, have, you have Travis Kelsey, then there's a Grand Canyon, then you got the Mark Andrews of the world as well. So you can't, you can't and kind of George Kittle. Then there's a gap. Then you got Darren Waller, but he was so injured this year. Then you got everybody else you're just trying to fill the gaps in with Dallas Goddard in there as well, too. What he was able to provide you as a top TJ Hawkins in this season. Exactly. And even he like just the gap between Travis Kelsey, 
Number twos through five and everybody else, he was a top three receiver as a tight end. He scored yeah. double-digit touchdowns north of 100 catches, top 10 in yards. The absolute, if you got him along with a couple of other relatively productive receivers, you had an automatic advantage every week. Even if you had a rough game, just the you went into that week projected the win, it felt like. So that's an outlandish one by position value, not so much just what they did as well, too. So, Kelsey, I'll let yeah. you go and recap first. Go and give me who you had you from your awards. We'll go ahead and start from the bottom up. All right, so for my disappointment, I went ahead and – oh, God, hang on. <laughs> I got to pull him back up. Uh, my disappointment of the year um, – fuck, I don't even remember, dude, at this point. Russell I don't even, I didn't, didn't write him down. Yeah, Russell Wilson, my disappointment of the year. Um, my sleeper – my lock of the year, I gave you um, – oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Chris Olave, sleeper – you know what? Go ahead and recap my list for me because you have this memorized. <laughs> I don't. All right, so I'll go and go for mine and go. we'll go with yours and then go to mine. So for disappointment, we had Russell Wilson. For Dynasty Lock, we do have Chris Olave. For the sleeper, underrated pick kind of to, for lack of a better terms, surprise people a little bit as well too, see if you can make, make a surprise. That one I'm having trouble remembering too. But for MVP, we did. We of course had Justin Jefferson as well as Josh Jacobs as well too. For mine, disappointment, we had, <clears throat> excuse me, for disappointment, we had Kyle Pitts. For Dynasty Lock, Garrett Wilson, sleeper surprise pick, Jarrett McKinnon, and MVP, Austin Eckler as well, too. So that's what we had for our fantasy football awards this year as well, too. And honestly, I wish I had a few of these players we named as well, too, because I think I'd want a few more games if I'd have got a few more of them as well, too. So that'll do it for our fantasy football awards show here as well, too. No trophies to hand out, no special bow ties, nothing, no Emmys, nothing like that as well, too. But it was def- it's definitely fun to look back at the fantasy football season and kind of look forward to what we have next year. And We'll see which one of these guys maybe make a return to the list next year as well, too. Does Austin Eckler pull a hat trick and lead the NFL in touchdowns for the third consecutive season? Time will wait and find out, but that'll do. Probably unlikely. I'm not betting on that as well, too. But You know what? That's a long shot bet, and that's that's one I'd, I'd place a bet on potentially, but, but I'm not about to live on, live and die off of that one. Yeah, I'm, I had the last person to do that was like Todd Gurley, I think, that did it in back-to-back years. And by that third year, his knee his knee was useless. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet on that one either. But that's gonna do it for our tip-off segment as well, too. So that's gonna take us now into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show. And that is the main event. The main event, of course, brought to you by our good friends over at Manscaped. Use code Hilo Sports. Get yourself 20% off at checkout. And they just really uh, released a nice new tool as well, too. The beard hedger, an electric beard trimmer. One attachment, 20 different lengths as well, too. So whether you want to be Grizzly Adams, whether you want to have a nice 5 o'clock shadow, and literally everything in between, they got something for you as well, too, to keep your facial hair nice and tight to match the rest of the men's grooming products that they have as well, too. Get yourself free shipping. Code Hilo Sports at checkout as well, too. Get yourself 20% off. And, you know, give you, make yourself look, look and feel a little make yourself look and feel a little special as well, too, as we start off the new year. New year, new you, new you. New Year, better you, however you want to word it as well, too. But go ahead, go ahead and make yourself feel and look the best that you can as well, too. So definitely check that out. Code Hilo Sports once again at checkout. 20% off manscaped.com. And you know what? We're kind of in a giving mood today. We did some we did some awards for the tip-off. Well, we just had the not-so-super wildcard weekend, and we're going to break out our pretend this is a red pen instead of a black Sharpie. We're going to go and give some report card grades for some of the teams that we looked at this week as well, too. And you know what? There's a lot. There's a lot of really fun matchups. A lot of eh, and a lot of pain as well. So we'll go through each team and do a quick recap as well as a letter score grade. And we might as well start with the very first one that we had: the Seahawks taking on the 49ers. What was a very, very competitive half. 
And then the wheels, unfortunately, came flying off in the second half as well, too. Geno Smith didn't write back in the first half, and in the second half, he had to break out the pen and the he had to break out the quill and the parchment paper a little bit. Christian McCaffrey continued to be CMC, and Brock Purdy kind of announced himself to the world at the same time. Kind of was just like, well, that you just put the ball in Debo Samuel's hands in open space, and look what happens. Or hey, let's give the ball to CMC and look what happens, and watch Nick Bosa and have a great company. So, I'll start with the Seahawks for me as well too. My grade for them, I'm giving them a C minus. The reason it's only a C minus because they played so well in that first half. DK Metcalf was electric for the most part. Geno Smith was very, very accurate, but you can't get any higher than a C minus. And even that's kind of generous going before you go after what happened in the second half where it was like, what, 28 to three or something like that as well, too. And it was a completely you can't lose 40 to 17 and get anything higher than a C minus. So I'll give him a very, very generous C minus for that game. So Kelsey Seahawks, if you have to give him a letter grade. What's Mr. Professor Kelsey Coin going to give the Seahawks, especially after they let you down in the pickums? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, if I could give him an effort just to let me down, I would. Um, and actually, <laughs> I don't, don't, don't spare me from this one. I might actually go there. Uh, look, I, I can't even call it a competitive half. I'm going to call it a competitive second quarter, um, where you know the Seahawks rattled off 17 straight points. But you look at the rest of this game, and the Seahawks were not good, giving up 10, giving up double digit points every other quarter except for the third where they only gave up a touchdown um, that, you know, it still, it still wasn't pretty like the Seahawks were bad all around. Um, in, in, in my report card, I'm going to say that D is a failing grade. It's a, it's the, you have to score a 70 or higher. Um, so this, th- this is getting a D minus for me for the Seahawks. I, it was, it was ugly all around. I don't, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I need to say a whole lot on this one. They were just, they weren't ready. Um <laughs> I, you know, you mentioned Gino didn't didn't call did, didn't write back. Well, that dude was writing just like Bart Simpson does in every intro for the for the Simpsons at, at, at the end of that. So, um, yeah, not not pretty by any means um, for me for the Seahawks. So I'm gonna give him a D. Uh, you know, D minus for him. So, yeah, we're going we're we're going we're going we're going we're going tough to start it start this one out. They're grounded by the bay, and unfortunately, the nice weather worked against them as they're hoping to play in a monsoon, it seems like, as well. But that's going to take us to the other side of the equation. We got the 49ers, who, as we mentioned, won by a score north of, by a north of 25, 30 points. So, honestly, you win by that much. Give them a name. I'm just going to give them an A-. They really didn't miss a beat. They didn't have too much to worry about. Everybody seemed to get loose. Everyone had a great game. The only reason it's not an A++ is because they were a little – they had some shaky coverage a little bit early, but – you can't win when you win by that much. It's pretty straightforward. So I'll give them an A minus for just because they had the most dominant win of the first week for, of the playoffs so far. That's fair. Okay. I'll give you that. They gave <laughs> the most dominant win. Uh, you still gave up 17 points to Gino and squad who I just gave a D minus in this gear in this grading. So I'm going to dock you some points for this one. Uh, San Francisco. I, I don't, I don't like the, this, the whole taking a, taking a break for one quarter. Um, Maybe overall, probably the best performance. But I'm gonna, if I'm going to pick this apart, I'm going to pick this apart. Like I have to pick this apart. I can't just give you a, give you an A across the board. So I'm going to give them a B plus. They have that 89.4. Not enough to get you an A, but close enough that you could think about what you did wrong and what you could have done better. So give me give me the 49ers here as a B plus. Uh, very close though. I had a few professors in college that were very similar to you. That would give me that'd be at 89.8 and they'd leave it at that B plus while everyone else would get rounded oh. up to me minus. So, you know, I had hundreds of, I had hundreds of teachers that did that to me. So, you know, I, I totally, I, this is why I have experience with this one. I'm going where I have experience. 
Some people do sympathy. You do revenge. Either either way as well, too. So that's going to move us now on to our second game, and we'll call it the most dramatic game of the playoffs so far as well, too. And we got the Chargers taking on the Jaguars, a 27-point lead for the Chargers, resulting in a two-point loss to the Jaguars by the end of it as well, too, or a one-point loss, excuse me, 31-30. to And the Jaguars lost the turnover differential 5 to nothing. So the Chargers did not turn the ball over once. Still gave up a 27-point lead. We're going to take the fun part of this. We're going to go with the Chargers graded. You, you get an, they get an F plus because you had a 27-point lead. But you, the reason that you're not any higher is because you choked a 27-point lead and you couldn't even get a first down. Herbert was kind of awful in the second half, missing touchdowns. For, you're six foot six and you're throwing it down here. That made you like – you were throwing it like Baker Mayfield's height at that point, maybe even Kyler Murray's. You couldn't get first downs. They didn't even try running the ball. I don't even. I think Austin Eckler finished with ten carries. It felt like, and two of them were touchdowns in the first half. Your defense, once you started losing a couple of players, fell apart. Joey Bosa, my lord, did he implode? And just, and then they started picking on Asante Samuel. He's either catching picks or giving up touchdowns. He was Trayvon Diggs basically, and unfortunately, kind of came off in the second half. So giving him an F plus because they had such a great first half, it's not going to be an F minus. But with so, with great first half, makes the second half even feel worse. So give me an F plus for the Chargers for. He can't choke a 27-point lead. It's like choking a 3-1 to one lead on steroids, it feels like. So give me F+. Plus. All right, so an F+. Plus. Wow. All right. Uh, I didn't this know you could do F+. Plus. I didn't know you could do pluses and minuses for Fs. Um, yeah, I. yeah uh, I'm, I'm, look, if we're just going Chargers, I'm going F, just straight across the board. You can't, you can't, you can't give up a 27-point lead. And on top of that, you just continue this trend for the Chargers of just being awful and disappointing everybody every time you go into playoffs. Every time. This is awful. I I'll say this, Austin Eckler, you get an A. Everybody else on the team gets an F. Asante Samuel, your first quarter gets an A plus. The rest of the game gets an F minus. Like this, this was awful. I just, I, the Chargers as a whole, I don't know what it is. Talk about snake bitten franchises, poverty franchises. However you want to word it, there's just something about the Chargers in the playoffs that is just awful. Just god awful. And and I'll I'll never understand it. I'll, I I keep picking them, thinking. There's no way it can continue. There's no way they can keep being this bad. Uh, but they just keep disappointing everybody. Um, so, yeah, for that reason and, and the 27-point blown lead, I just – I mean, come on, man. It's the freaking Jaguars. Like, you have all this on defense. I don't care if it's been always the Jaguars. You have all this on defense. You have a Hall of Fame rush end on defense. You have another one that's probably going in the Hall of Fame that just straight imploded. You have a young corner of a son uh, who's the son of a potential Hall of Famer. And you have a potential Hall of Famer at safety. And you do that? Really? And I'm not even counting your Kenneth Murrays. I'm not even counting your Drew Tranquils in there. I'm not counting your Sebastian Days in there. You know, guys that are actually really quality players that are above average NFL players that you're sitting here just watching absolutely implode. I, there's so many ways you can say this, but it's just, I don't, I don't get it. I'll never understand how I mean, maybe Brent, maybe it's, it's Staley. I don't know. Maybe it's the environment they have there. Maybe it's just too comfortable. You know, send them to St. Louis. This is your penalty for, for blowing a 27 point lead and continuing to, to just ruin every chargers dreams and hopes. You go to St. Louis and you become the new St. Louis chargers. Your logo already matches the arch anyway, so just make it happen. Like, that's this is my penalty to them. They're F, and I move them out. Like, get an F, and you're getting sent out of L.A. 
Wow, so they got evicted and flunked out. So you know what? They I mean, probably honest, they weren't really they weren't really they weren't really living in in, in SoFi anyways. They're just kind of biting biting. Right, so you keep out the squatters and flunked them as well too. So either this is what happens when you leave San Diego. You should have never left as well too. It wasn't great there, but it wasn't this bad at least. I mean, at least when you lost, it was Steve Young throwing six touchdowns again, the monkey off his back in the Super Bowl. It wasn't this embarrassing, but two, there are two sides to every coin. So we're gonna go now. We're gonna take a look at Duval, the Duval side of this with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I always let it when it comes to the playoffs as well, too. Comebacks I always like to hold a high esteem because it just shows such mental fortitude. It's often led by outstanding quarterback play. All those great things as well, too. You look at like Frank Reich with the Bills, Luck with the Colts, Brady with the Patriots, all those major comebacks as well, too. This one I hold a little bit lower than those ones, in part because it happened without turnovers and a hat. So it was like an implosion and just not running the clock by the Chargers. It was just weird. It was very unusual, if that makes sense. It wasn't necessary stellar play by the Jaguars it was just that questionable play by the Chargers but the Jaguars still got it done still made the plays that two-point conversion with sending Trevor Lawrence over the top trying to do an MJ pose the fourth down and one Travis Etienne around the edge from a was it like a full house type formation brilliant Dougie P get that wheelbarrow out for you you earned it what yet again so I'm gonna give him a B I think I think it's a very generous B because you, you threw four picks in the first half and you're down 27 to nothing. The same rule still applied. And you did the and you successfully completed the comeback, but it was a weird it was a weird type of comeback compared to some of those other ones where the in that in those cases the comebacking team actually kind of forced the comeback, where this one is kind of served to the Jaguars. I'm like, well, all right, I'll take this plate and I will walk right over here with it and I will have my cake and eat it too. So give me the Jaguars get a B for it, and it's a very good comeback, but I you know what? I, I I blame the Chargers more than I could. Kudos to Jaguars, even though they do get their flowers. All right. Yeah. I mean, we're kind of thinking the same thing. Uh, kind of. It, it doesn't feel like a comeback, comeback, right? It feels like a here's a gift because we only ran the ball 23 times as total while up 27 points. We ran the ball only seven times while up 20 27 points. Let's let's also be very clear about that. Um, you know, you have a chance to run the clock out. You could do absolutely anything you want with it. And you don't run the ball. I, say what you will about today's day and age. I, I don't understand it. The Jaguars, you, hmm, first hmm. quarterback in the history of the NFL to throw four picks and four touchdowns in a game for Trevor Lawrence. Great. Good on you. Uh, but why'd you throw four picks? Because they weren't good. Where were you throwing those four picks? Like, this is this is where I kind of, I, I really kind of want to, pe- I, I, I penalize the Jaguars because those picks for Trevor Lawrence weren't like tip picks. They weren't like situations where, oh, no, like, yeah. He threw the ball at Asante Samuel Jr. multiple times. Like, where are you going, man? Like, you don't – do you not see the guy sitting in a zone in a flat that you're just you're just going to just sit there? He doesn't move. He, he's wearing white – he's wearing the Chargers logo. Like, don't throw him the ball. Throw Evan Ingram the ball. You know, your big tall tight end, the surprise of your, your season. Yeah, throw him the ball, not Asante Samuel Jr., but no, he's threw Asante Samuel. I, and I just, I don't get it. He threw Drew Tranquil one. I mean, I, so I'm going to penalize the Jaguars on this one. I'm giving them B minus. I could go lower, but they won the game at the end of the day. They did make a comeback. Congratulations for that. And, and the way they made their comeback, yes, it was impressive, just using all your all your players, you know, offensively. But again, no, no turnovers to, to help lead the charge. No really big impactful defensive plays a lot of just oh well well the Chargers just suck offensively so um here you go and and yeah there's a bigger to me this is bigger on the Chargers than it is on the Jaguars so I'm giving Jaguars an average performance 
for an average comeback. You know, that, that that seems pretty fair as well, too. I'll give him credit for the first pick being tipped because it got tipped like three times, it felt like, between Day and Joey Bosa, yeah. and then it bounced in true clay with Drake Cole's hands. But the third, it was Dante Samuel. It's like, did you not see him? Like, he's sitting right there. Or, yeah. wow, you forced it on fourth down. That happens. But, like, you kind of threw it to Zay Jones' outside shoulder, not his inside shoulder. But either way, they made the comeback. Kudos to them. They got a very tough task coming up again this weekend as well, too. Quality season for a team that not many people expected to really make the playoffs, let alone win a playoff game at, the, at that as well, too. So next we're going to go into the first of the triple headers on Saturday. Bills and Dolphins, a weirdly competitive game. Started as a Bills route. Dolphins kept it close. Very, very close, uncomfortably close to where they had a chance to come back and tie it up late. Bills hold on late. We're going to start with the Dolphins on this one, and I'm going to give them a C plus just because they did keep it close. But at the same time, We'll talk about the Bills side of this as well, too, once we get to that one. But I'm going to go with a C-plus for the Dolphins. Very under-weirdly weirdly competitive game. So give me Dolphins C-plus. You did what you could with the third-string quarterback. Mike McDaniel, great game planning. Weird job getting the plays in late. Like the amount of times they had to waste of time out for no, day, no reason. Defensively, you had your moments. Then you had your what-are-you-doings. Gave up a touchdown on everyone besides Stephon Diggs, it felt like. So we'll go with a C-plus for, for just what they did with what they were missing. Yeah, um, kind of on the same page again. Uh, I think I think it was it was it was a heck of a performance for the Dolphins to make a comeback, but at the same time, not good enough to get you a B. And you actually lose a few points from your C plus for me for for the for the way you manage that clock. You can't lose two timeouts to delay a game potentially, uh, and and then take three more delay of games in that same half. Like that's not you can't do that. So for me, I'm going to go a flat C. It was good. A good comeback for the Dolphins. You still lost the game. You're still down big to start that game off. I thought you were going to get routed, but you did it with a third string quarterback. Skyler Thompson looked good um, in that game and looked made a comeback. And it wasn't great by any means. And again, this kind of goes in the same same vein as the Jaguars. You really did it without really any any help. Uh, you didn't really help yourself. It was a lot of the Bills just kind of what are you doing? Not running the ball with Devin Singletary, you know, and, and that's the period <laughs> like explanation point. Not running the ball with Josh Allen. Um, and yeah, but you couldn't stop a, 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 you know, a wet sneeze from the receivers at this point in time, they just ran right through you. Um, I, it was, it, it really felt again, like the bills were just kind of the, the reason why the dolphins were able to stay close, but at the same time, the dolphins didn't make the mistakes at the end of the game to give themselves that opportunity. So I think outside of the, the clock issues with the, with the dolphins, it was a really good performance. Cause I give them a lot more points because you're doing it with a third string quarterback. That's already impressive enough for me. Um, that you know, it's it's kind of why well, I look at the 49ers and obviously Brock Purdy being giving you a little bit of benefit there back when I graded them as a B plus. If it wasn't Brock Purdy, if that was Jimmy Jimmy G, then you might have gotten a B if you're the 49ers. So the, for for you know for this situation for the Dolphins, I'm giving you a C. Probably could have been a C minus just for your clock operations, clock management. I I hate watching coaches and, and struggle with clock management. It's a giant blinking clock, literally straight in front of your face, and as a quarterback. You have all the information right in front of you. You literally have – you know exactly where the clocks are. The ref tells you before every play when he starts the clock. And, heck, half the time they don't even start the clock because you ask him not to. And so, you you know, it's it, it's it's the whole thing. I just – yeah. Um, give me a C for the Dolphins. And, and it was it was a good comeback, but not a great performance overall. Absolutely. And you kind of started to talk about it. But next, we're going to look at the Bills for it as well, too. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go – I'm going to have fun with this one. I'm going to give him a C-plus as well, too. They're gonna get the, you know what? Correction, correction. I'm gonna give them a B minus because they won the game, so they get one. They get that point one boost from a 79.9 to the 80 flat. 
So they'll get a B minus. They'll get a B minus, minus, minus somehow. Or C plus, B minus. Either way, point is, they were terrible. Honestly, they had electric moments. Josh Allen threw some ridiculous touchdowns. He made some ridiculous plays, but you turned it over three times. You gave the defense a touchdown by fumbling it right into their right into Christian Wilkins' hands and let him score. Josh Allen, during those middle quarters, was terrible. And as much as we both like Josh Allen, he was kind of terrible. He kept the Dolphins in that game better than Skylar Thompson did. Defensively, they were really good for the most part, but they did not stop the bleed. There were some moments where they just kind of got lackadaisical, which we've seen them do a lot. So I'm going to say I'm going to give them the B minus 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 to basically just short of the C plus two because they won. And when they were clicking for those couple of drives, they were humming that touchdown to Gabe Davis was beautiful. The deep shots to Stefan Diggs were wonderful. And then you followed up with a red zone pick and then you would follow it up and you fumbled for a touchdown and then just forcing things that aren't there, not running the ball, Josh Allen trying to fight a defensive lineman, then walking away once it turns into a kerfuffle. It was a, it was Josh Allen's worst playoff performance, arguably ever, which is weird to say when he threw three touchdowns. But I'm for the Bills, you get a B minus minus, and it's oh, if they play like that against Cincinnati, well, we'll talk about Cincinnati later. It's gonna, it might be a rough, it might be a rough divisional round. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm, again, we're sticking the same thing here. Uh, Josh Allen, you throw three, three touchdowns, you throw two picks though. Let's not forget your fumble. Um, that's just the, as well. So uh, you look at this. Josh Allen did way more to keep them in this game. And again, I go to another team that you actually had a run game this season and you ran the ball 26 times with a lead. With a lead and you only run the ball 26 times. Why? Why, why, why? You're averaging 4.8 and 3.2 yards per carry from your main running backs and five yards of carry from your quarterback and you're not running the ball more? Come on. Like, give me a break if you're an NFL coach, please. Like, stop thinking this is is so hard. Like, it doesn't need to be crazy. I don't need to see 50-yard bombs every play just because you have Josh Allen. Doesn't need to happen. If in the playoffs, you just need to win the game and make the performance to win the game. So for that, I'm giving a C plus because you barely won the game. You, you barely did it. And it was a struggle. If it's not for Tremaine Edmonds and that defense down the stretch, you don't get out of this game. That Dolphins team was going to come back, and they were going to score, and we would have saw Josh Sanders kicking the, the game winner had it not been for that defense making the stops necessary down the stretch. Because you, the offense sucked. The offense was just dismal. It looked like Josh Allen as a rookie for three and a half, for two and a half quarters in this game. Like I felt like I was watching rookie Josh Allen all over again, where it was just like, "What are you doing, dude? Like, why are you just throwing it up for no reason? Why are you, why are you throwing a sixty-yard pick?" to a guy that's obviously not open who has somebody still over the top of him so far over the top of him, mind you that he was able to basically fair catch the interception and then make a move on the receiver who you were intending to throw for. Like, why are you, why is that the situation you're going with Josh and not maybe, Oh, I don't know, throwing the, the six yard check down to Naeem Hines in that situation or to James cook, or maybe hand the ball off for once to Devin Singletary on first down, please. Just one time, one time. That's all I ask. Uh, as uh, the Bills just disappointment in 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 two and a half quarters is there it, it just shows I don't know this to me this shows an inexperience in in a lot of ways uh at least they didn't you know deal with the delay of game issues as much still had some delay of game issues but it, it just shows an inexperience of teams in these playoffs right now and uh yeah it wasn't great for the Bills but it, at least they won I guess but yeah, this is a, a battle of a C and a C plus team in this game. Like it was just, it was an ugly game all around. You know, look good on the scorecard, but that's about it. 
that's just about it as well, too. And speaking of games, that looks good on the scorecard as well, too. And we're actually surprisingly competitive. We have the Vikings taking on the Giants. The coming out party for Daniel Jones in the playoffs as well, too. Having a fantastic playoff debut. Saquon doing Saquon things as well. Kirk Cousins doing Kirk Cousins things as well, too. The Giants getting away with that W in that game as well, too, and controlling a lot of the clock, putting up asinine offensive numbers. We'll go and start with the Vikings because I'm going to keep mine short, quick, and painless. They get an F, just a straight F, because that was the worst defense I've seen since the TCU-Georgia game, basically, as well, too. And that's the comparison as far as what that defense was doing. It was wet tissue paper. They didn't get off the soft zone quarter-quarter high the entire game. They maybe The one time they maybe did, they tried to play blatant man with no safety help. Like, it was... That defense was terrible, and offensively, they were okay. Kirk Cousins wasn't bad. He just wasn't great. That Throwing it three yards on fourth down and eight is not going to do it. So they get an F. Just You should have won that game comfortably. You're, th- you're the worst 13-win team arguably ever with the way you performed in that playoff game. So just an F for the Vikings. Did Not not a fan of that defensive performance. You know, I, I got to say, I, I'm not as harsh on them. I'm so harsh on, on this one, but not as harsh this time. I'm going to go with a D-minus for the Vikings. <laughs> And a lot of that does come down to Kirk at the end of the day. 31 of 39, two touchdowns, 273. You got what you needed from Kirk. Dalvin Cook gave you 16 or 60 yards on 15 carries. TJ Hawkinson, 129 for on 10 receptions. You had some good performances there, but I'm gonna go with like Justin Jefferson really let me down in this one. And and a lot of it's not his, his problem. They weren't really scheming him to get open very well in this one. I mean, he had opportunities there. But Kirk missed him. Like eight, eight incompletions for Kirk. All eight were intended for Justin Jefferson. It felt like at this point in time. And so, uh, I, and I will also say, you, you start off giving up, a, you know, fourteen points in a quarter, and then you only give up three. Then you only give up seventeen points the rest of the game. I, I got to give you some credit for that. That is pretty, pretty impressive as a defense um, to be able to at least cut down on the uh, the amount of touchdowns scored in a in, in a quarter. Uh, yeah, I, I won't get, I won't, I won't hate him so much, but yeah, I do think this is more of a Giants epic performance than it was a Vikings doing anything. But you know, they gave themselves a chance at the end of the game, and that's all you could ask for for the Vikings, and and that's why I'm giving him a D minus because it wasn't the worst Vikings performance we've ever seen in the playoffs, and honestly, it still wasn't as bad for me as the Chargers performance. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give him a D minus right now, but it's borderline the, one of the worst performances defensively in the first quarter that we saw this week. 100%. The fact that they couldn't get the best receiver in football schemed up after that first drive was kind of disappointing, too, because the Giants have a good defense, but Adoree Jackson's not Darius Slay. Like, that's right. not that's not Sauce Gardner over there. He's you not even James be- Bradbury, who they had last year. Exactly. Like, you can find ways to scheme and get him the ball as well, too. I don't, you, they, they were content with him being a decoy, and that was kind of frustrating. But we'll go to the Giants next, too. And I'm going to cruise through this one as well, too. They get an A minus. Brian Dabble. I thought you were winning two games this year. You've already made me look stupid. So that was an absolutely incredible performance. Scheming up Saquon, Daniel Jones. Hodges is now your number one receiver. We saw Kenny Galladay put a dude on his butt. Kenny Galladay looked like Quentin Nelson in the open field, pancaking corners as a lead blocker. So give me the Giants. They get an A. They get an A minus, A, A minus, whatever you want to call it. They're, they were fantastic. They get whatever grade they want. They get a blank check for their grade. That's what I give them as well. Fantastic job from Brian Dabble and the Giants. A minus performance. Great job. I don't know if it'll continue, but fantastic playoff debut that no one was expecting. Hey, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm giving him a flat A. Um, just a flat A. I'm giving Daniel Jones an A plus 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 because you had not just the uh, what he was doing in the air, 
for 301 yards, 24, uh, 24 completions, 301 yards, two touchdowns. But 17 carries for 78 yards and just running over dudes at one point in time. It was hilarious. Saquon Barkley, two touchdowns on 53 yards, nine carries. And like you said, Isaiah Hodgins, man. Can you ask for much more? Eight, eight, car- eight receptions, 105 yards, a touchdown. But to me, Darius Slayton finally caught the ball every opportunity he was given. Finally. Thank you, Darius Slayton. Four receptions, 88 yards. Absolutely performance. Absolutely great performance all around for this Giants team. Um, as you mentioned, Dory Jackson looking like Darius Slay out here. Defensive play of the year potentially for a corner type of play. Um, so, yeah, give me the Giants here. And just a flat A on this one. Absolutely. And I do want to mention as well, too, Daniel Jones, you mentioned everything he did on his legs as well, too. That really, they did that. He had like 60 yards on those first two drives. He was absolutely yeah. killing them. They, I know the, the nickname is Vanilla Vic. You can call him Frosty Fields, Caucasian Kaepernick, whatever nickname you want to give him. He is established as a true dual threat quarterback to look out for. Does it continue in the future? We'll wait and see. There's still some limitations there, but him and Brian Dabble, they, those two get the A plus for sure as well, to a fantastic playoff debut for him. Granted, a lot of people expected the upset because of the Vikings limitations, but the manner in which the Giants did, it was just fantastic job across the board. So next we're to go into the Sunday night nightcap, which featured division battle Royale between the Ravens featuring Tyler Huntley, a quarterback and the Bengals and weirdly close, let down a lot of people who were betting on the Bengals and in different facets as well, too, with how close it was really came down to a 99 yard fumble recovery for a touchdown by America's new favorite sweetheart, Sam Hubbard as well, too. So, well, Marlon Humphrey's sister, sweetheart. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Touche as well, too. They're, everyone's losing their mind over that handsome son of a gun. He's been there for years and they just now notice. But J.K. Dobbins with a solid performance. Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow doing their thing. I'm going to start with the Ravens on this one. We're just going to they're going to get a C plus. They did a lot with a little. They just they just you came up short, unfortunately. I mean, and then the fact that J.K. Dobbins had an incredible touchdown run. And you didn't give him the ball after that in the red zone, it felt like. I don't remember him getting a carry inside the five-yard line after that diving touchdown. Your idea was a Tyler Huntley QB jump over the middle from the two-yard line. You have a little bulldozer of a running back back there named J.K. Dobbins when the score's tied up. All you need is a field goal, basically, in the way your defense was playing because the defense was outstanding for the most part. Offensively was serviceable. Mark Andrews is still Mark Andrews with the best hustle play of the year. But uh, just the play calling, the time management as well, just this – the little things that win you games is what docks them all the way down to a C plus because offensively they played pretty good due to the limitations. Defensively, I thought they played excellent with what they were dealt, but just the small things to win the game is what costs them, which drops them a lot in this one. So I'm going to give them a C plus. Yeah. Uh, by the way, they they counted that that Dobbins touchdown as a pass attempt, pass reception. Um, oh yeah, excuse back. me, but you know what I mean. So, like, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so I'm 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 actually a little bit harsher on the on the Ravens on this one, just because of that stupid play calling in the red zone you have jk dobbins and mark andrews on your team do you drop a play for either one of them no you don't you decide to use your backup you decide to use your backup running back and his legs to try to get you there and he ran runs a quarterback keeper which didn't get anything he runs a tries to tries to make a pass attempt doesn't get anywhere with a pass attempt to marcus robinson that was just a dumb idea to begin with and then you're like, hey, let's run him up the middle and have him jump over like Trevor Lawrence. But he's not six foot six. He's not God's gift for quarterback, if <laughs> people believe that's what Trevor Lawrence wants to be. He, he's Tyler Huntley, who is a very specific type of quarterback. He runs off of read options and read options only. He does not, 
Like he should not be, you should not task him with a quarterback keeper from the start ever because he tries to make too many big plays. And you saw it right there. Sam Hubbard slapped the ball away or somebody slapped the ball away. Sam Hubbard picks it up and is like, oh, wow, I get to show off my five or four foot, 4.8 40 speed as I trot down here and become Cincinnati's favorite son. Like, you know, I, I, I have so many problems. Like you have, I just, you think Gus Edwards would have been a better option in that situation? Like you take your pick. Like anybody's a better option than Tyler Huntley on the on the one. So I, I I'm gonna give the Ravens just a you know give him a D plus because for me that play calling was atrocious. Like Tyler Huntley can throw the ball. He can he can do everything else for you. But you didn't drop really enough for Mark Andrews. You didn't draw up enough for J.K. Dobbins. And I feel like if you were gonna win this game, it's those are the two guys you need to do because your defense played well. You just yeah couldn't do enough not to mention when you're having trevor lawrence dunk it for a two-point conversion it's from the one yard line with a six six quarterback you mentioned that can actually dunk a basketball probably tyler huntley's what six two and you're at about the two yard line like a long two trying to go over the top i know it's his decision but calling that type of play there i agree with you very there's a lot there's a lot to not six like foot one. He's, he's six one oh, excuse me i even i was even wrong in my exaggeration but that's a I, I that's all that needs to be said we'll move moving on to the other side of this one cincinnati they get they get a C plus. They're kind of in the same vein as as the Bills. They did not look great, and they tried to give this game away. It felt like they went weirdly stale. The offensive line kept getting hurt. Not, not all of it is in their control with those injuries, but it was not a very pretty game in a game they should have won a lot more comfortably. So I'm going to give them a I'm going to give them a C plus. And in the exact same vein as the Bills, if they play like this against the Bills this week, they could potentially be in trouble if the Bills show up. So this is going to be a game of what the heck is going to happen between the Bills and the Bengals because they both left a lot to be desired this first weekend. So give me, give me a C plus you, you won the game. So you're kind of the, the Ravens lost the game, but they, I, I don't know this, this was a rough game to really great. So they both get C pluses. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to kind of go a little special with their, with their grade on this. You went with a B minus minus earlier. Um, I'm going to go with a little B minus. So just, you, you got the, you got the 79.5 for you to get this B minus is what the Bengals did just enough. Uh, offensively, they looked all right. Akeem Davis Gaithers, um, congratulations, you are here now. Thank you for coming to play finally. Um, gets, a, gets a pick in this one. Uh, finally healthy, so able to help out there with Logan Wilson. Um, yeah, I do think there were some positives here for the Bengals, but again, I, you want to talk about a team needing to run the ball when they're up on, uh, up on, up on the scoreboard. Use Joe Mixon. Use Samaj P. Ryan. Do something, guys. Don't just... <laughs> you don't have to throw out of every situation. I know Joe Burrow loves to throw the ball. You don't have to, though. It is okay. You can run the ball. You have Joe Mixon. It would be okay. Um, take a, Let your defense take a break. I know, look, Sam Hubbard has been there. He's been doing it for, what, six years now in, in Cincinnati. He is Cincinnati's favorite son in a lot of ways. Um, congratulations on him for, you know, that fumble recovery. But I sat here watching that until that fumble recovery. I'm thinking this game is going to be turning turn around and be a 14-point swing for the Ravens. They're, they're going to win by two touchdowns at that point in time. Just because of the way they were moving the ball and the, and the Bengals just – look silly on offense like they just didn't look like they were trying to play offense they were just like eh, let's go backyard bs and see what happens so yeah Bengals b minus like little b minus lowercase b like barely not even a full-grown capital b this is a baby b so both both leaving a little bit of something to be desired for leaving something to be desired for both of us so that we hopefully see corrected from both those teams playing this weekend but now we get to the super not so super wild card weekend the final swan song of it the Cowboys taking on the Buccaneers on Monday Night Football, and we're going to do this in reverse order. Last time, we've been doing the loser first and the winner, but because it's your Cowboys, reluctantly your Cowboys, mm. 
We're going to go with them first. And you know what? The floor is yours, my friend. You get to go first on this one. Grade your Cowboys. God. Okay. Um, how do I grade the Cowboys? Ugh. Ugh. That's how I grade the Cowboys. <laughs> but no. Uh, so give me, you know what? I'll say this. Dak might have played his best game of his career as a NFL quarterback. Um, the offense looked good. The defense looked good all around. You shut down a team that really should have dominated you in a lot of ways uh, just for what they do offensively. Um, but you didn't. You didn't let it happen. So for that reason, and I'm sorry me to say, I'm giving A+. Plus. Best, I, think, I think they had the best performance all around this weekend, top to bottom. And what they did to the Bucks, what they did to Tom Brady, kind of made him look like an idiot. Look, made him and Mike <laughs> Evans look like they've never played a down together in their life. I mean, it's outside of the reemergence of Julio Jones for one play. You, you really didn't hurt yourself at all in this game. Uh, you know, you, you you're using all your weapons, much to my demise as far as betting on CD Lamb goes. But you know what? That's okay uh, because as a Cowboys fan, watching them actually perform top to bottom was. A little, little more of a relief um, than than it should have been. So yeah, I, I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. And and one of the biggest non-believers of the weekend was me expecting the Cowboys to lose to the Bucks here, and they did everything to prove me wrong. So I appreciate that. So I'm going to give an A plus. We agree on pretty much everything. We won't take too much too long there as well too, because I agree with pretty much everything. The big the reason I'm going to give him an A minus though is because you can't miss four PATs and get an A plus. That is, Brett Maher. I'm surprised we haven't got the official release of him yet as well too if they need a kicker i've made a field goal in an nfl stadium there's video proof of it i got you and it's from PA five straight five straight extra points at one point in time exactly it was sure he made one at the end of it that's great but like that's the only everything else was perfect the defense was awesome that offensive line looked as good as it has looked in years with a 40 year old at left tackle tyron smith is reap and zach martin on the same side of the line that was terrifying tyler smith not being put in space as a tackle that you get the most out of him at guard as well, too. Our concern was putting him out on an island to tackle, getting all those holding penalties. Kick him inside the guard, and somehow you get Jason Peters, like, and he looks pretty good. I don't know how they did it, but they managed to rebuild that offensive line again, making a kind of a questionable pick, but it worked out. The running, everyone, Tony Pollard, Zeke, Dak played his best career game, in my opinion, CeeDee Lamb, T.Y. Hilton, Michael Gallup, the defense, all fantastic. So I give him an A-. minus. If they hit two of those four PATs, I give him an A+. plus. But I, you can't miss four on me. That's I draw the line at four. That's that's where the line is. You miss three, you get an A flat. You miss four, you get an A minus. If you miss five, I'm not counting. I don't count special teams as part of their grade. I, if I counted special teams as part of the grade, some of these guys would be an F's as a winning winning team. Let's just put it that way. Um, that's but yeah, no, I, I do understand your point. For sure, that's fair. And now we'll go to the Bucks and yeah, just kind of a disappointment all around as well too. Except for you, where it was a disappointment and a relief at the same time. So I'll let you go ahead and take on the Bucks first. So for the Bucks, uh, yeah, I'm gonna be mean. I'm gonna be real mean. You have a go at, at quarterback, and he looks so bad that he that uh, like that. And Leonard Fournette couldn't do anything. Uh, I'm gonna go F minus 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 minus. Whole bunch of F minuses in this one because I the Bucks looked awful, and a team that I had predicted to win this game, um, no, they didn't do enough for me. So give me the Bucks with just all of the minuses. All right, let me just do this really quick so we can go one. Two. What I just did there is I doubled down on your point because I agree with all of those minuses and all of the Fs. You can even throw one more on me because I'm feeling a little brutal for them as well, too. And I'm the one who picked the Cowboys in our pick em. It's not just that you lost. It's not that you're just kind of overwhelmed. We knew the Cowboys had more talent. We kind of knew that going into it. It wasn't too much of a surprise. My problem is 
the way Tom Brady played, he probably deserves an infinity F because of how lackadaisical he played. That was the worst game I've ever seen him play, honestly, because he looked like he didn't care. And if he looked, he was snapped in like his first read, throwing into the ground, casually sitting there, throwing, getting upset, throws his first red zone pick as a Buccaneer where he just floats it to the back of the end zone. If LeBron James played like that in a playoff game, we would lose our minds over it. It would be all over at every major conglomerate, all that sort of thing as well, too. So if we're going to hold those two to that same kind of GOAT caliber standards, which obviously Tom Brady's still a GOAT, not taking away from his career. This is a single game thing. So Brady fans, don't try and come castrate me. My point is in this game, it was absolutely miserable, and he needs to be held to that standard. He And then the finish with 300 yards at the end of the game when you're down 31-6, to six, empty calorie stat padding, which is what everyone likes to con- say LeBron does when – it's Dak. Exactly. Like it's he Dak, you are not Diet Dr. Pepper for this week. Tom Brady has taken the mantle as Diet Dr. Pepper as well. It was absolutely he was just he didn't seem to care. He looked like he was checked out. And it's kind of been rough like that all year, which we should expect from a sub five hundred team. Like they have not been good all year, really. And they didn't even try to run the ball really. You had a few successful runs and you quit. There's been talk about Tom Brady changing this, changing things with a changing things on like Thursday, Fridays before games after the inst- the game plans installed. This It looked like it today. So Buccaneers get an F. That was the worst game Tom Brady's ever played, in my opinion. And if we saw LeBron James play a playoff game like that where he waits till the end in stat pads, we would prob- he would get reamed day in and day out on, on all major networks, podcasts, et cetera. He still does, even when he doesn't do that. Or when he does anything relatively similar, he does. So he's being held to the same standard. And F, super minus from both of us on the Buccaneers for the worst play. Would we say it's the worst performance of the weekend? Would we say it's worse? Or I think we're, we're agreeing it's the worst one. I think it's the worst one. I think it was the worst single-handed performance from a – I mean, one side of the ball by itself was so bad that it made the defense not care. Like, I've never <laughs> seen Levante – I've never seen not Levante Davis, but a, a defense like Carl, with Carlton Davis and all and, and the squad just looks so out of it. That defense, who is should be a top-five defense in the league week in and week out, no matter who's injured or not, because of, I mean they have like 16 deep on that defense that can that can that can make it make a challenge for you. They look miserable. The pass rush looked awful, just what abysmal. Be- and it, it, like they were on the field so much, chasing so many guys. That's why, like they had to go chase Ty Hilton 40 yards down the field every every time on third down. And Ty Hilton's like, "Hey guys, I'm a young spring chicken today." Like, mm. like I don't, I, I, yeah. Like if you're if you're the Bucks, there's a lot to to address here. Number one is going to be Tom Brady. I I hate saying this about guys that have had great careers, but there's a time and place that you need to just hang it up. It should have been this last offseason, and I said it then. Once you start talking about retirement, the writing's on the wall. The day the day the day becomes long at that point in time. Like you either need to get out or you need to stop talking about it. And he never stopped talking about it. He continued to talk about the retirement saga throughout the season and what it means going forward. And again, the writing's on the wall going into this offseason. I don't think Tom Brady returns. I think this is going to be the official announcement for Tom Brady that he's actually done because this is this season looked like Peyton Manning's last as well. Like the difference is that Peyton Manning last season ended in a storybook moment. This season's not did not end in a storybook moment for Tom Brady, and and it was far from a storybook season to begin with, um, with everything he was doing off the field as well. So to me, I, I look at this and this is. Fitting end to this Bucks season, considering where they started. Like this was just awful all around. So, absolutely as well. To a very wild, wild weekend as well. Too, you know, we still got a few more rounds left to go, and what should be a very competitive divisional round too. Hopefully, last year divisional weekend was one of the best ones in 
honestly, we've probably ever seen as far as NFL playoffs go. So hopefully we can get a pseudo repeat of it. But that's going to do it for our main event. That's going to now take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. And that is crunch time brought to you by our good friends over at Outlier. Use outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Get yourself a free seven day trial. Bet smarter, not harder. Get everything you need from odds, trends, game lines, money lines, props, everything you need you can find in there as well, too. Get yourself, you know, win yourself some money like we've been doing since we started using Outlier as well, too. And for the crunch time, I'm going to go ahead to the Octagon. We've talked a lot about football. We talked a lot about different. We're going to go to the Octagon. We're going to talk about a player who has two brothers who's played in the NFL. Talk about the return of John Jones. We talked about a a few months ago when there were rumors. Well, now we got a confirmed return. After three years off, John Jones will be returning at heavyweight for a vacant heavyweight title against Serial Gone. And the reason this fight's so much fun for me is, A, it's heavyweight John Jones, arguably the best combat sports fight MMA fighter we've ever seen. Against Serial Gone, one of the most freakish heavyweights we've ever seen, besides John Jones at this point because we haven't seen him at heavyweight. The guy who moves like he's 180 pounds, weighs 240, the only other heavyweight that can throw kicks, really, too, especially kicks above, you know, the kneecap. So he that's a very different type of dynamic we're going to see with him and John Jones. My concern is if it turns into a wrestling fight, John Jones is going to eat him alive because John Jones is a fantastic wrestler, and Serial Gon got wrestled by Francis Ngannou, who is shuffle, shuffle, throw nuclear warhead hands, not much of a wrestler, especially with his knee injuries. And that, of course, led to, includes Francis Ngannou, now no longer part of the UFC, not able to reach a contract negotiation, asking for different things in his contract that they were not able to oblige. So he will be hitting the open market as well, too, which imagine someone's going to pay him a nice chunk of change. There's talks about him boxing Tyson Fury, which I hope doesn't happen for his sake. Honestly, that's as dangerous as he is with those small gloves. Tyson Fury is going to eat him alive in the in the ring. If he wants to box Deontay Wilder, he'll probably lose, but at least it'll be edge of your seat. Oh, my God, the whole time, because they both throw nuclear warheads every play or every every punch. But there's plenty of options for him. Wish him all the best. Definitely looking forward to see what his endeavors bring as well, too. Maybe he joins another MMA league. Maybe maybe he does a little bit of everything. Who knows as well, too. But John Jones, Ciro gone. I cannot wait, and I just hope John Jones makes it to this fight as well, too. I hope nothing gets in the way because he is outstanding. The best fighter we've ever seen in the cage, quite possibly, as well, too. There's still a little debate, not much of one. And Ciro gone, one of the more freakish heavyweights we've seen as well. This should be... I'm on, I'm on the edge of my seat. Isn't March 4th yet? Like I'm, I'm already sick of waiting right now. I, that's, I just wish I could freeze myself until that point so I could see those and then see them both in the cage. So definitely a fantastic night of fights coming up as well, too. So I'm definitely looking forward to that one. And if John Jones is going to look anything like the last time we saw Chandler Jones against Mac Jones, it's going to be, it's going to be quite the fight as well, too. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Okay. Yeah, no, I can't wait for that. That'll be fun uh, as we get closer to it. Uh, and, you know, yeah, March 4th can't come any sooner. Um, for me, though, I am actually going to go. There's been a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of surprise here. Uh, women's national team being shown on HBO Max, by the way, in case anybody's missed it. First time in major network has carried U.S. women's national team news other than ESPN. Uh, first time it's ever been on a paid for service as well, like uh, as far as a streaming service. So, was absolutely cool. Uh, awesome to watch that last night. Mal, Mal Pugh Swanson, as she's now known. Um, she was able to score two in, in the U.S. Women's National Team. But more importantly, this is just kind of a show for American sports, getting on these streaming services, getting new deals, um, especially lower American sports, because you look at Women's National Team, the MLS with new Apple TV deals. So, yeah, a lot of good deals going out there for for soccer. But Women's National Team right here, getting their just due, getting, getting themselves on a highlight thing that HBO Max, if you guys don't know, the fourth highest subscri- uh, highest used subscription service so far in streaming services. So 
a lot of opportunities there for eyes on the U.S. Women's National Team. More money to become be earned um, for for them as well. So um, exciting to see there. And if you guys still can't get you know interested in, in watching them, maybe if you're watching Spanish, they are still available on like Peacock and all that um, as well. But yeah, no, it was, it was really cool to see Women's National Team on HBO Max. And uh, you know, it, it, it's funny because in a week where you see that, that that news, unfortunately, there was also the BBC showing. Liverpool soccer game, uh, Liverpool and Wolves soccer match that obviously the lights went out was the first issue. Second issue, uh, they, there was a random um, adult entertainment prank played during the game, if you will. So uh, lots of <laughs> – I don't know what it is with broadcasting in, 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 in soccer, that how, how they can become so entertaining. But, um, you know, if one positive here with the U.S. Women's Ash team and more one negative as – BBC had to come out and apologize for a uh, adult entertainment prank played during the um, during the matches. There were sex noises being heard in the background of uh, of of the game being played. So pretty entertaining there, as far as a uh, just like light, light little news news subject there uh, to end out crunch time. Absolutely, as well too. And you know what, I HBO Max is probably my favorite streaming service personally, as well too. So that is great to see as well too. And I definitely glad they contribute to their monthly subscription as well. So. That is going to do it for us here on the High Low Sports Podcast. We all appreciate you joining us and hanging out with us for a little over an hour of your day here to talk a little bit of sports and a little bit of everything in between as well, too. We look forward to seeing you all again next week. Once again, check out Manscaped. High Low, use code High Low Sports. Get yourself a nice little discount. Outlier.bet backslash High Low Sports. Go and get yourself a free seven-day trial and try and win yourself some money with betting as well, too. We'll pay for itself if you follow those trends and some of the betting odds as well, too, especially if sports betting is recently legal in your state and you're still playing with house money, go ahead and turn that into some mansion money real quickly as well. So we appreciate you all joining us, and we will see you all again next week.